Rick, thank you so much. It's been a tough week watching the flooding. If you've watched much of the news coverage from Hurricane Harvey. For those of us that were near Katrina, it brought back a lot of memories from 12 years ago. I was down in New Orleans several times after Katrina, and it was just overwhelming to see the devastation. And now they're saying that Harvey's damage will be worse than Katrina's was. And it's hard to fathom. I pastored a church in Indiana that had been leveled by a tornado before I had gotten there. Eight years before I became their pastor, the whole church was blown away while a group was in the basement for a high school graduation party. No one was killed, thank God, but the church was gone. They found hymn books 45 miles away in Cincinnati, Ohio, that the wind took there. As we watch the news, the question comes to mind, and I've heard people talk about it this week. Does God control the weather? Let's talk about that today. Well, I'll talk. You listen. But before we do that, let's pray again. Father, thank you for being our God. For keeping our heads above the water like Grace just said. Today we pray for churches and ministries that are in the middle of the trenches with folks impacted in the past week. But hopefully we all do that because of different storms. Some that have lots of water and others that have none. Help us to be the church that you want us to be always. In Jesus' name, amen. You've heard this phrase, some call hurricanes and floods and tornadoes and tsunamis and earthquakes acts of, acts of God, they call them. And I find that quite interesting. Every bad event, they're ready to give God the blame, aren't they? Rarely the credit. I've never heard the weatherman give the title Act of God to a 72 degree day that was absolutely pristine. Never seen that happen. Or a crisp fall day when the leaves are turning into a rainbow of color. I've never heard somebody say, you know, that's an act of God. Did you notice how beautiful the morning was this morning? Did you attribute that to an act of God? Sometimes we take so much for granted. But let there be a calamity. God's quick to receive the blame. Back to the question, does he control the weather? You'll hear me say this often. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what God's word says. If I find myself in opposition to God's word, he's not wrong. I am. So what's the Bible say about weather? If you know scripture, you know there are a lot of weather-related events in scripture. You don't have to go too far. Genesis chapter 6, but we'll read from chapter 7 about an event that you know about. The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I've seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and its mate, 
Compare the animals that are not clean, the male is clean. Seven pairs of the birds of the air also, male and female, keep them their kind alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, for forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did as the Lord commanded him. And you know the rest of the story. If you believe this, what it says in Genesis 7, and I do, then it seems that God controls the weather, doesn't it? To Exodus. Exodus chapter 9. The plagues that God is using to get the children of Israel away from Pharaoh. This is one. Verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven so that hail may fall on the whole land of Egypt, on humans and animals and all the plants of the field in the land of Egypt. And then Moses stretched out his staff towards heaven. The Lord sent thunder and hail and fire came down on the earth. The Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. There was hail with fire flashing continually in the midst of it. Such heavy hail as had never fallen in the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the open field throughout all the land of Egypt, both human and animal. The hail also struck down all the plants of the field and shattered every tree in the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were, there was no hail. And you believe that happened? And I do. God controlled the weather. Remember how the story of Jonah begins? Remember that? Chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare, went on board to go to, with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But, verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. If you believe that happened, and I do, then God controls the weather. To the New Testament. Mark tells us this story in chapter 4. When evening came, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up, saying, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? They're filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Even the winds and the sea obey him. If you believe that, and I do, God controls the weather. There are so many examples, and I just chose a few you would likely be familiar with. There were so many others we could go to. But Psalms 135, 6 and 7 sheds some light on this. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. 
in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all the deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and he brings out the wind from its storehouses. If you believe that, you believe God controls the weather. If you're not convinced, if you're not convinced by that, think about your own life. And we're so funny about that. You ever pray for rain? I lived in farm community for years and years and years, and it was always interesting. We would pray for rain. Ever prayed for it to stop raining? We did that too. Ever had a pretty day, like a wedding or a family reunion, and it was all outside, and you had everything planned, and you asked God for a pretty day? If you've done that, then you believe he controls the weather. The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon was convinced that God was in total, complete control of everything, and he wrote this. I believe that every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom more or less than God wishes. That every particle of spray that dashes against the steamboat has its orbit as well as the sun in the heavens. That the chaff from the hand of the winnower is steered into stars in their courses. The creeping of an aphid over the rosebud is as much fixed as the march of the devastating pestilence. The fall of leaves from a poplar is as fully ordained as the tumbling of an avalanche. So if that's true, and if he does, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and all of those things? Psalms 115.3 about God says this. It says, our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Well, why does he do it? Isaiah 55 says this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. So obviously sometimes we don't know. But sometimes we get a glimpse of some interesting things that make us think, that's why he does that. Although the impact of Harvey will be long-lasting, and the story is still unfolding. A couple of interesting things caught my eye this week. Listen to these words from the governor of Texas. Whereas Hurricane Harvey hit the Texas coast on Friday, August the 25th, 2017, causing massive destruction along the coastal bend before moving up the Texas coast into central and southeast Texas, resulting in unprecedented flooding and tragic loss of life. And whereas Texans have remained strong throughout this ordeal, with neighbor helping neighbor, by wading into the floodwaters or sorting through wind damage to rescue fellow Texans, and whereas the people of Texas are grateful for the outpouring of support and resources from around the country and around the world that have been sent to Texas to assist with the damage as we begin the process of healing and rebuilding, and whereas throughout our history, Texans have been strengthened, assured, and lifted up through prayer. And whereas it is right and fitting that the people of Texas should join with their fellow residents and with others from across the country and around the world to seek God's wisdom for ourselves and our leaders 
and to ask for his merciful intervention and healing in this time of crisis. Now therefore, I, Greg Abbott, Governor of Texas, pursuant to the authority vested in me by the Constitution and statutes of the state of Texas, do hereby proclaim Sunday, September the 3rd, 2017, as a day of prayer in Texas. I urge Texans of all faiths and religious traditions and backgrounds to offer prayers on that day for the safety of our first responders, public safety officers, and military personnel, healing of individuals, rebuilding of communities, and the restoration of the entire region struck by this disaster. You think he'd have done that if the sun would have been shining and it had been 72 degrees? You think there'd be a day in prayer in Texas today because everything was fine? No. Sometimes we respond in ways we ought, and the governor did. Not the end of the story from the federal government. Now, therefore, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, do hereby proclaim Sunday, September 3rd, 2017, as a national day of prayer for the victims of Hurricane Harvey and for our national, national response and recovery efforts. We give thanks for the generosity and goodness of all those who have responded to the needs of their fellow Americans. I urge Americans of all faiths and religious traditions and backgrounds to offer prayers today for all those harmed by Hurricane Harvey, including people who have lost family members or been injured, those who have lost homes or other property, and our first responders, law enforcement officers, military personnel, and medical professors leading the response and recovery efforts. Each of us in our own way may call upon our God for strength and comfort during this difficult time. I call on all Americans in houses of worship throughout the nation to join in one voice of prayer as we seek to uplift one another and assist those suffering from the consequences of this terrible storm. In witness thereof, I have hereto set my hand this first day of September in the year of our Lord 2017 and of the independence of the United States of America, the 242nd, Donald J. Trump. Before we continue, why don't we say a prayer? You do it silently for a moment, and then I'll continue. Father God, if this is what it takes to get states and nations to pray, then we thank you even for this. Father, thank you that you have the attention of many, many people that have ignored you. And we ask, Father, that we would give you that attention each and every day, even when it's blue skies and perfect like it is in Georgia today. Father, help us to recognize you always. And as your people, we pray for our response and how we might help our friends that are in such need. Father, you give us that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. More about the weather. In the famous painting of George Washington crossing the Delaware River on Christmas night, 1776, the history tells us with snow falling, his forces were able to surprise and defeat the enemy. 
the victory fan the revelations fading embers and weather continued to play an important role in Americans Revolutionary War there are stories from Dunkirk from June of 1940 when a fog came out and allowed over uh, tens of thousands of people safety to get in small boats to go back to England the weather patterns protected them for nine days as they were evacuated. The Spanish Armada was sent out by Philip II of Spain, well, to really conquer and uh, do some tough things to Britain and to Holland. The Netherlands declared independence from Spain in 1588, and Philip sent the Invincible Armada of 130 warships and 30,000 men. To destroy them. The smaller British fleet under Sir Francis Drake came to try and stand up against the Armada. A storm came, the fierce winds, and they pushed the Armada into rocky shores. As history books used to say, God blew the wind and they were scattered. Only half of the Armada made it back to Spain. The other was destroyed. And perhaps a worldwide dictatorship was averted by the weather changing history. Twelve years ago with Katrina, I was pastor at a church in Indiana. And as I said earlier, it had been destroyed by a tornado on June the 2nd, 1990, eight years before we came. So when I was at Hopewell, we were a long way from the coast. The worst part, I love Indiana, but the worst part is it's a long way from the beach. It's too far from the beach. But those people in Indiana wanted to do something. So they collected money and they sent it. They collected a horse trailer full of supplies and we delivered them. Then we took a team of about 40 people down to the coast of Mississippi where we adopted a church redid their drywall and put down new flooring and removed debris and got them up and running. We did that in a matter of a little over a week and the church said we wouldn't have been able to meet for months had y'all not done that. I tell you that story because storms make us compassionate. Storms change us. If you needed help in the past, you're likely to be a helper in the future. I remember a story from Katrina, from Bourbon Street. It was on the news and I watched it and there was a girl and her co-workers from a saloon, a bar on Bourbon Street, and they were in need of help. And it was an interesting looking group. If you saw Dragon Con yesterday, you might have an idea of what this group looked like on the news. She brought a phone from the reporter who was reporting their plight and doing the story, and she called home to Ohio. Her father was a pastor in Ohio, and she'd run away years earlier. It'd been a long time since they had spoken. And when he answered the phone, she said, Daddy, it's me. Come get us. Immediately he said, I'll be on the way in the church van, and I'll get whoever you want me to get. Daddy drove to New Orleans and picked him up. There are so many love stories that emerge as results of difficulties and storms. 
and they're unfolding right now. You pray, and you give, and you support. If you have a connection in Houston, or a church we can adopt, you let me know, and we'll do that, and see how we can help. Let's pray together.